Sound of Hockey episode 158. We're calling this one the Morgan Geeky episode. Why are we calling it that, John? I assume it's because of what, like penalty minutes or even strength shots, <laughs> something like that. Shifts in a season. Um, no, I don't. I don't have a good reason oh. why we're calling this the Morgan oh. Geeky episode, See, other it's, than it's because I picked on your methods last episode. I think. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, right? yeah, it was a little bullying. Okay. I have to admit. <laughs> um, and I'm sick of it, and I'm not going to be told off. And wow. <laughs> that's why I'm so. I am very excited uh-huh. about Morgan Geeky's season. I think he played well in the preseason. Uh, maybe I'm too excited because I've got some high expectations. But uh, yeah, just because I wanted to call it the Morgan Geeky episode. So there you go. Okay. Wow. I'll accept that. Right. I will accept that. I have been put in my place and we are off to a <laughs> roaring start on this Starting episode. Starting off with some drama. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. This is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined as always by Andy Eide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. And speaking of Twitter, make sure to also follow us on at sound underscore hockey. Uh, We've been doing a lot from that account lately. That's all that I'm going to say. Uh, It's been a very active Twitter account, and you can get all your latest Kraken news right there on that Twitter account. So give it a follow. Uh, We do have a review to share with you, which comes from Fat Kraken 66. Whoa. (laughs) Fat Kraken. Yeah. I imagine like a really, really big, uh, well, I guess Kraken is already huge, right? Is it it F-A-T or P-H-A-T? No, F-A-T. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. It's good. To, it's good to know the difference. Yeah. This says it's kind of picking on us a little bit, but it says fun, flaming chaos. It says your latest episode was by far the most chaotic thing I've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> While still hilarious, it was a little jerky and dare I say it, confusing to listen to. Wow. Oh, uh, right. I love this podcast so much, but I also like when it moves smoothly and in a straightforward manner. You all are awesome. I really like the tweets of the week, also. So. Interesting. Uh, speaking of being put in our place or my place, I guess, uh, that's quite interesting. I, you know, and I wonder, like, because sometimes there's a little bit of a delay. So my first thought was, oh, that he must have listened to the After Dark episode first. But <laughs> I don't know, right? Because, like, there is a delay from when people post these and when they actually show up for us. Sure. It certainly could be last week, in which case maybe it's because of all the scallop talk, right? That, happened. There, that was maybe. my first thought. We got uh, into the scallops too much. We we went deep in the scallops, yeah. So let's we, let's we, avoid we scallop reached, talk. Don't, no, I hear you trying to go back into scallop talk right now, Andy. And we're not to, going to I do was that. Gonna, I was going to say what we did wrong. Yeah. No, we must resist. We must keep things moving smoothly, as requested by Fat Kraken sixty six. Hey, Fat Kraken sixty six. Thank you so much for the five star review, but also for the constructive feedback. This yep. is a very nice way to provide constructive feedback, uh, giving us a five star review and saying, "Hey, we love this," but also. You know, here's some things I'd like for you to do better. And we hear that. We we hear that, and we are going to do better. And this episode is going to be one of those episodes in which we do better. And in fact, uh, we're going to do so well in this episode that we are going to bring you none other than the legend himself that is literally building Climate Pledge Arena, Tim <laughs> Lywicki. Uh, the man who is the CEO of the Oakview Group. A huge, huge piece of bringing the Kraken to Seattle. So stick around for that. That's a great interview. Um, and you will want to run through a wall afterwards. So that's <laughs> that. <laughs> Let's get into some Kraken news as we often do these days. Now that the Kraken in fact exists, uh, we are recording late on Sunday night. And do you guys recognize what is 48 hours away from now when we're recording this Tuesday post game victory celebration? That's right. Re- well, 48 hours. Did you hear me knocking? I was knocking on wood there. Okay, all right. Fair enough. So, yeah, opening night is is coming. It doesn't feel real. John and I are both going to be in Vegas for the game. Uh, So it's been a long journey, much longer for the two of you, and especially for you, John, who's been so, so involved in this. And uh, here we are. We're at the precipice of the inaugural season. And I think it's going to be like, there's definitely going to be a pinch me moment, right? When we look around T-Mobile arena in Vegas and kind of realize where we are and what we're experiencing there. So, um, what are your thoughts on this, John? Uh, 
I don't know how I'm going to feel, right? I mean, I'm already kind of excited, kind of thinking about it every once in a while. And then, you know, well, let me just get down there and figure out my emotions down there. But um, <laughs> it's going to be crazy. You know, and it, it's interesting because Paul Buxton, super fan of the mm-hmm. Seattle Kraken. Yep. And I went down there in 2017 when Vegas um, opened their doors for the first time, their first home regular season game. And we were both wearing Metropolitan sweaters. And Paul had a a poster that said Seattle's next. At the time, it wasn't cl- as clear cut of a of a path. Felt like a little Seattle bit of a pipe a dream, team. right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was getting closer because there was talk about the arena, and um, it it was definitely close working mm-hmm. on the arena deal with with the redevelopment of Key Arena. Because even that night back in 2017 gave me chills just being part of it for Vegas, and now it's my team essentially. That's that's doing it. So it's going to be pretty wild. And uh, I'm not going to be in the press box. I'm going to be a fan that night for sure. So I'm excited. Uh, I think everyone is excited on uh, on different levels. And uh, man, I just think, I think it's going to be incredible. I'm, I'm so, so excited. Um, but let's talk about the Kraken, uh, which are, again, they're a real team. They're here. I feel like I need to keep saying that. It just feels important. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Uh, so one thing, if you are planning to attend home games for the Kraken, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned on this podcast that they are going to require proof of vaccination. Uh, so they're going to be doing that using the Clear Health Pass. Uh, so just download the Clear app. And I actually haven't done it yet, so I don't really know what the process is. But I assume you just upload your vaccination cards there, and then you show it when you get into the arena right does that sound right to you guys yeah it's pretty it's pretty smooth pretty easy and and should help uh streamline the process of entering that building perfect uh and then the other piece that we should mention is uh that philip grubauer and alexander true have been named to their respective olympic teams that's pretty cool uh grubauer is going to go as a member of germany true as a member of denmark uh they did this thing where they kind of rolled out the first three players for each olympic team and Mm -hmm. those two guys were included on the list for their respective countries so uh that's pretty awesome first time for both of them to be in the olympics for their team uh first time denmark for true that denmark as a country has been in the olympics so that's kind of cool uh we we asked grubauer a little bit about that at practice on uh on sunday and he was pretty honored and you know said all the right things that you would want to say uh for a guy representing his country he seemed pretty you know, he was humble about it, but also you could tell that it meant something to him. Yeah. We were having an interesting discussion, too, amongst the media there. We were kind of like, well, who are, like, the best players ever from Germany, right? And, like, mm-hmm. we were having a hard time coming up with five players that have been more impactful from Germany than Philip Grubar, which is pretty incredible. Obviously, Leon Dreisaitl, right, is is yeah. up there, and you have, like, Marco Sturm and people like that. Mm-hmm. But um, he's up there. He really is one of, the, one of the best players of all time from his country. So um, big deal for him, certainly, to be representing... And representing the Kraken in a way, right? To in uh, yeah, the Olympics. Yeah. Yep. So cool For stuff. Sure. Uh, another piece of housekeeping related type of things. Kelly Yarncruck in COVID protocol. So. Uh, obviously, that's a concerning thing. The good news, for at least from from my eyes, they had a day off on Saturday. Uh, this news broke. Was it Thursday or Friday, Andy? That 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 got uh, Friday, revealed. I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, so I was a little concerned that you know there'd be more guys that were missing practice on Sunday because you know usually when there's one, there's more. Everybody was there today, so um, apparently there's no reason for them to be concerned about. Uh, other guys contracting it or, or anything like that. So I do know that because the whole team is vaccinated, he just has to uh, test negative once. And then I, I believe he's eligible to return. So um, hope that happens relatively soon. Uh, and with that, we should dive in a little bit to our roster situation. So, you know, obviously as camp breaks, you expect for the roster to get down to 23 players because uh, that is the maximum allowed by the NHL. You have to have 20, essentially 21 skaters and two goalies. And uh, those 21 skaters means that you usually have three extras because um, you only dress 18 skaters and two goalies on a given night. The way that it's working out, at least based on our math, right, is if you keep Yanni Gord out uh, on injured reserve and you keep Yarncrook out on the COVID list and you keep Colin Blackwell out on injured reserve, we don't really know his status yet, uh, then we believe that they still need to make one more cut at this point. And again, we're, re- we're recording on Sunday night, so by the time you hear this, uh, that cut may have happened. But you know, on Sunday morning at practice, they still had nine defensemen out there, which is too many. Like, there's no way that they're going to keep yeah, nine excessive. defensemen. Um, so I would expect that one of those guys does uh, either get put on waivers or, you know, if they're eligible, they can go straight down to the AHL. But I, I think they all have to go through waivers. So 
interesting situation there that, you know, we're coming right down to the wire here for naming the final 23-man roster. And I still have to wonder, right, because Yanni Gord, like, I don't think he's going to play in game one just based on what we saw at practice with, you know, he wasn't on a real line. They're kind of shuffling him through, but he no longer has the red non-contact jersey. He's been playing, practicing full out, right? And like, even when he had the contact jersey on, he was going hard in these practices. So so even though his original timetable was that he was going to come back like end of the calendar year, <laughs> like he looks like he's close to ready to return. So, you know, you take him off of IR and that means that there's there's another guy that's going to have to come off the roster. So there's definitely, it's hard to, to do the math really to figure out exactly who the guys are, but without having a full understanding of who's healthy and who's not, it's also kind of hard to predict who's who's going to be allowed and, and able to stay. And they're not but, really giving us any updates, details on, on like his return or Blackwell's. Uh, right. The day he took the, the red jersey, or he showed up with a white or blue jersey, he talked about how he was not clear for full contact yet. He's, he's he, he joked and said it was half contact. He wanted to get bumped, he said. That was his word. He, he wasn't getting bumped enough. So I, I don't think he's imminent. Just my opinion. But they, they did say he would be joining the team on the road. So yes. I don't know if that's just to get reps with the guys or if there's that. there's a chance that he could be activated while on the road. And, they, and keep in mind, they're on the road for the first two weeks of the season. So mm-hmm. yeah. So there's it's kind of a longer-type road trip, so who knows? Haxall said it was to get reps. Yeah. Now, okay. whether he's, that's just a smokescreen or not, but that's what that was his, what his uh, how he described it, uh, I think, that same day that he showed up with the blue jersey on. I do think there's some level of, like, like team bonding as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree there. For the first two weeks of the season, you're on the road. Uh, obviously, you want to spend time with your teammates. And a lot of teams, even like during this last week of training camp, they'll do a little trip. You know, they'll go somewhere. I know the Golden Knights were at their owner's uh, like ranch, I think, in Montana yeah. or something like that. And then they went fly fishing. Yeah, uh, kind of cool. Some of them did. So, I mean, a lot of the teams do stuff like that. Just, you know, they take the 23-man roster. They go on a little trip. Uh, The Kraken have not done that. Obviously, they have kind of limited time here to work out everything. So, I think they wanted to make full use of all those minutes. But there's probably an angle of that, too, that if he's close to returning, you want him to feel like part of the team and and to be around the guys as well. So, so a long way of saying we don't really know if he's close to coming back. But it feels to me like he's pretty close. Like, it, I don't know, just watching him in in practice, he goes hard. So, the guys who did get cut or rather sent down enough cut is the right word but Cole Lind uh, Max McCormick Alex True I think we mentioned Carson Twerinski before and Connor Carrick and then friends of the pod Kale Flurry and Joey Decord so uh, really no surprises that those guys all end up in uh, the AHL yeah and they all cleared waivers except for uh, Joey Decord did not have to go to waivers so that's that's good because I'm kind of excited about Cole Lind I think he's got more potential it's just he wasn't quite ready um i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on cole lind or anybody else on that list you know it's funny he i felt like he was very quiet in all the preseason games and then there's this one moment in that game at kent in the against calgary flames where he went over the blue line kind of broke the defender's ankles like (laughs) it was a great (laughs) move out of nowhere and you're like whoa cole lind that was really nice and then uh unfortunately he went in all alone and just shot it right into the goalie's stomach so you're like, all right, well, there's there's that too, <laughs> okay. right? There's Colin. But yeah. I mean, it was a flash, right? It was a flash of like, okay, this guy's got some serious skill. And that was that was the first time that he did anything during training camp that really jumped out at me, where I was like, wow, that was a hell of a play. He's still pretty young. You know, I talked to him earlier in camp and his last last year was a pretty tough one. He he started in the AHL and in his first eight games he had eight points. He had five goals and three assists, got off to a great start. Then got hit in the face with a stick and broke his nose to where he couldn't even play with it. It was just too much of a risk to play with it. And when he did, so he went to Vancouver to rehab and then got stuck on the taxi squad. Then COVID hit. He played a total of 15 games last year. I know talking to him earlier in camp, he obviously wants to be in the NHL, but he said, either way, I just want to play a full season. So I actually think it's good that he's in the AHL to start this season, that he can get a full season in and, and you know, regular schedule and not have all this injury stuff going on. Uh, all right. So that's pretty much our Kraken news. One last thing. Uh, did you guys happen to watch the all or nothing Maple Leafs thing? I've seen one episode. Okay. I have not seen any of it. So if you stick around, Andy, I think it's only five episodes, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, if you stick around, eventually Dave Haxtall pops up because he was one of the assistant coaches for the Maple Leafs while they were filming that, which is funny. I asked him about it today, what his experiences were on that. Well, I kind of was like, hey, they didn't give you too many lines because he plays a pretty small role. But it was interesting. He didn't necessarily say that he would never do it again. 
Uh, but he was kind of like, it was okay. Like you were very aware that the cameras were always there. So people were a little more careful about what they're saying and things like that. And from a coach's perspective there's some things that like yes you want to give the fans a good show and you want to show them this behind the scenes stuff and help them understand what goes on in our lives but also there's some things that I just really don't think should be shared with the public right like kind of how we prepare players and how the players prepare themselves things like that should be kept um, should be kept secret and I thought that was a a very interesting response it was you know it wasn't I would never do it again I hated it anything like that it was just a very real like this is what made it comfortable and what made it uncomfortable and uh so i thought it was interesting um but go check it out i really enjoyed watching it and it really is another one of those kind of really good in-depth look at what happens inside uh an nhl locker room and in the offices and all that stuff and that's all we have to say about that i'm looking forward to that okay Uh, we wanted to do a quick season preview, so kind of pick some individual teams and players and that we think might either step forward or step back. Our categories are bounce-back team, step-back team, breakout candidate for an individual Kraken player, and breakout candidate for an individual player league-wide. So let's do bounce-back team first. Andy, Who's your bounce-back team, and explain why you consider them a bounce-back team. For my bounce-back team, I'm looking in the division here that the Kraken are in with the Vancouver Canucks. I think they have a chance to bounce back from a really bad season last year. Uh, They did have some injury issues last year, you know, with with Pedersen being out. Uh, They were very bad on defense. Uh, Goaltending was okay. And they have made some improvements. They had that the trade that, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson wasn't that great, isn't that great, but Connor Garland came in that trade. And I think that's going to be a really big addition to their forward group that they really needed last year. They have Pedersen locked up now. They have Quinn Hughes in the back end locked up. They still don't have a great defensive core. I mean, Hughes is spectacular, but he's kind of a one-man show back there. Um, they just waved Travis Hamannick today. So I think if a lot of things go right for them, I think they have a good group up front, especially in their top six, to have a better season this year. Uh, but they do need to go th- have some things go right on defense. Okay, John, I'm gonna throw an audible. I know we talked about this pregame. Whoa! But, uh, I well, don't tell people that, John. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. Uh, oh. Jonathan Taze is gonna be on the team full year, right? Because he missed all last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby Doc started the season last year hurt. He's gonna be a year older. Then they added uh, a guy named Mark Andre Fleury, mm. who Never is a pretty good goalie yeah. and literally the best as the Vesna Trophy winner. Hmm. And Seth Jones, right? And so they made quite a few changes. I don't. I'm not going to say they're a cup contender, but I I think they could get into the playoffs. And I think your stacked Central Division is a little weaker this year <laughs> compared to previous Whoa. years. He's a little more topsy turvy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with as my bounce back team. I'm going to pick the Flyers, and uh, you know they haven't been like that great for quite a while i guess uh they did let's see they won the first round during the bubble and they got through yeah now they had a good season right two seasons ago they had a really good season yeah. uh and that was kind of when carter hart emerged this past year carter hart did not have a good season uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna expect that he has a big bounce back this year and with that so go the philadelphia flyers so i'm gonna say that the Philadelphia Flyers are my bounce back team. I like team. that pick. Now, the, like the pick. opposite is the step back. So somebody who is good this past year that you don't think is going to be good this year. I'll go first on this one, and I'm going to actually also do an audible. I had decided okay. that I was going to do the Capitals, but I'm changing my pick. I'm going to go with the Montreal Canadiens because I think they oh, way God. overachieved uh, yes. making the Stanley yes. Cup final this past year, clearly. That's a good, that's a, yeah. Yeah, and obviously now they've lost their goalie for the at least the beginning of the season or who knows how long, and we'll talk about and that Deneau, a little bit more right? later. Yep, they lost to no. Uh, they lost, who else? I, I feel like they've lost some other. Oh, there, Kale there Fleury, was, there was, lost Kale Fleury. Uh, Montreal also had that incident where they lost a player to Carolina with a hostile contract. Uh-huh. Yep. yep, just Barry Kaka. Not going to work anymore. John. Not going to work. Yeah. What's your head? (laughs) Oh, good. We all made the joke. John, what's your, what's your step back team? My step back team is the Penguins of Pittsburgh. Okay. They are an older team. And obviously Evgeny Malkin's uh, injured, going to start the first couple months on IR. Crosby had wrist surgery. I think both of them are really good players, but they don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of uh, young guys coming up and they still have Tristan Jari in net. So that's, that's my (laughs) step back team. What if they've already taken a step back? 
Well, they made the playoffs last year, so I'm I'm saying they will not make the playoffs this year. Put it that way. Fascinating. That's a Ooh. now that's a bold prediction right there. Whoa. The Pittsburgh right. Penguins will not you make say the so. playoffs. Wow. And they just lost some set, uh, forward depth with losing Jerry McCann and Brandon Tanev. Ah, that's good right. Point. That's yeah. a good point. Very right. good point. Which was a good segue into our breakout candidates for Kraken player. Do I have to get to do my my setback team? <sighs> I guess you can, but that would have been a really good segue. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, my step back team are the Carolina Hurricanes, the jerks. Okay. See, I think, I think they'll still be decent. I think as I was looking at the show notes, right, I, I read that I was doing the Canadians. Then you said the thing about, oh, and Carolina had the incident with them. And because I heard you say Carolina, I was like, okay, Andy's done his now. John, go ahead. So anyway, carry on. Go ahead. So that was an addition to Carolina, uh-huh. their hostile takeover. Yeah. But I, I think they did. They, you know, they've they've overhauled their goaltending. They've redone their defense for the most part. They still got a lot of firepower up front. But I just think that I don't think they'll be as good as they were. I think they still are a playoff team. But I thought they were kind of a, they were a cup contender last year. Is what I thought of them going into the year. I don't think I think of them that way this year. Well, because I think they have too many changes on their back end. Well, their goaltending is a little sketchy too, right? Fred Anderson, Frederick mm-hmm. Anderson, and Anti Ranta yeah. haven't been healthy lately. So, and both over 30, which isn't that big of a deal, but with an injury history of both of them, kind of sketchy. A little sketchy, sketchy, but I think that's a big step up from Peter Mrazek and Nedeljkovic. Was that the guy that kind of... That's right, but they both played pretty well last year. I know, I know. And Nedeljkovic was really good, as you just said, but he also is a pretty unproven guy, right? He's... You know, he's not really ready to be like the full time starter. At least Freddie Anderson has been a full time starter. And who knows what happens? Like Freddie Anderson was incredible in Anaheim, right? And Anaheim, so then, Jesus, he hasn't played there forever. I know. <laughs> Hear me out. He goes to Toronto and all of a sudden he becomes a little questionable because he's playing in the limelight in Toronto. I wonder what happens if he goes back to a, a less traditional, like super intense hockey hotbed of a market in Carolina. Maybe he's maybe it's a good change for him, you know. Anyway, my point is, I I feel much stronger about Freddie Anderson as my number one goalie with a backup of Antti Ranta than I would of Peter Mrazek with Nedeljkovic. That's just my opinion, and that's a little bit of an outsider looking because I I don't watch them every day, right? But I've never felt that strongly about Peter Mrazek, and I know I've said that on this podcast a few yeah. times before. So you know, to me, they've yeah. actually upgraded in goal. But I hear what you're saying. I I think that there's. A few changes there that are going to impact them, um, and I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. So, good pick. And now we're going to pretend that this is a good segue into uh, breakout candidate for Kraken <laughs> player. And just remember that we had a really good segue a minute ago, right? And then it kind of got derailed, but just remember that. So, my breakout pick is none other than one of the guys that the Penguins lost, Jared McCann, who, you know, we talked to him in uh, after the Everett game, and I asked the question of, you know, how do you feel about the fact that you are now taking such a huge role, right, on an NHL team? Like, you're, it looks like you're going to be a top-line center for the Seattle Kraken. And he's like, I'm, I'm so pumped about it. He's like, I've been waiting my whole career for this opportunity. Um, and it's, it's so cool, right? Like, he could tell that he just was so pumped in that moment. And uh, he's looked really good in preseason. That top line has been incredible. So assuming that he continues to get – those kinds of opportunities, I think he's going to have a huge, huge season. That's my pick. Andy. I, I like it. I love it. Mine is Alex Wenberg, oh, okay. uh, who's a center. And, and I'm picking him more out of, because I like the guy and I want I want, to, I want him to be good. It's more of, of like I'm trying to will it to be good by saying this. Okay. Uh, you know, last year he had one of his better offensive seasons. But, it, you know, you look at the numbers and he way shot way above his, his career. Shooting percentage, he was playing in the top six on a good, talented Florida team. So is that an anomaly or is that what he is now? And I'm hoping it's what he is now. And I think the potential is there to be what he is now. I think he's going to get top six minutes with the crack. And I think he's, you know, he's kind of worked his way up to the second line now. And so I think that that's going to help him because, you know, in Columbus, he was, he was, uh, you know, down in the bottom six. So I'm looking for Alex Weinberg. I know he's looked good on the power play in practice, you know, coming off the half board. I th- I'm confident that we'll, we'll continue to see growth and good things out of Alex Weinberg. Love it. John? I think I might be willing this one as well. Morgan <laughs> Geeky, man, I'm really excited for him. Friend of the pod. Uh, at, yeah, friend of the pod. He's had moments of brilliance. I had a bold prediction earlier this week on Twitter that he would have over 50 points this season, wow. um, which, is, which is a stretch quite a bit. But he's really done well all levels of hockey and he just needs to kind of check the the nhl off and i think he's he came ready to camp ready to play and i don't know about you guys but 
coming into camp, I wasn't sure if he would make the team or not, or he'd just be kind of one of the bubble, maybe on the fourth line. But he's he's clearly showing that he's got an offensive threat. So he's my breakout candidate this year. And he's the youngest on the team. He feels to me like a player that just needs an opportunity, right? And he, I think he's going to get one here. You know, not only are they putting him, it looks like probably third line center-ish, depending mm-hmm. on what happens with Gord. But they're giving him some power play time too, right? And he looks really, really good on that right half wall. So uh, I do agree with you, John. I think that's a, a really good pick there for Mr. Morgan Geeky, friend of the pod. You can't out pizza the yeah. hut. Yeah, I think that second power play time is really going to be beneficial to him, especially for your prediction, John. But uh, yeah, yeah. and, and I, like, that guy can flat out shoot the puck. He might have the best shot on the team, you know, and so he just needs to get, like you said, there the opportunity. Um, he only played nine minutes last year in Carolina a game. And uh, I think he's going to get more than that this year. So he'll get more opportunity in elevated roles. And he can't out pizza the hut. 50 points. You know, and they're, <laughs> they're going to need him. Right. They really need him to to play well and do well, because like we've talked about the quality shots and after that top line, yes, there's some some good players further down the lineup, but they need a goal scorer. And and I think, like you said, Andy, he's he's got one of the best shots on the team um, and surprisingly so. So I'm that's why he's my guy. Love it. And that's not that's not just us saying that, because like three or four other guys have mentioned geeky shot just in. In media scrums, they've someone's asked about what's it like playing with Geeky Oh, the kid can shoot. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you look at his you look at his shooting numbers over his year. He's been pretty consistent too. So I, I like watching him shoot the puck. And finally, our breakout candidate league wide, Andy. Who you got? Who's gonna Who's gonna step up? I this am year? going north of the border, mm-hmm. very east. We're, mm-hmm. we're gonna go east, north of the border, and to the Ottawa Senators. We have a lot of good young players probably ready to break out. But I really like what Tim Stutzla did in his rookie year. Uh, last year with the Senators, and I think that guy's you know a step away or two from as he matures and gets older from having a really really good season. You look at his numbers last year; they were pretty good for for a rookie and you know what an 18 year old, 19 year old rookie, whatever age he was, uh, in a crazy situation you know where he's rooming with a couple teammates and they can't get across the border and all that stuff that was going on. Handled himself pretty darn well, you know, and and his underlying numbers were all decent. They weren't you know earth-shattering but for for a young rookie that at the age he was uh trying to make his way in the nhl the nhl for the first time i was really impressed with him and i think he's just going to keep going getting going higher and higher john uh, i'm going with alex newhook from the 2019 draft class and he's a center for the colorado avalanche he might not start the season with the colorado avalanche but i think he just needs to adjust to the pro game a little bit he is a stud and i think you put him on that team there's so there's so much offensive talent. He's going to be able to excel uh, quite a bit, right? So it's being given that opportunity. A lot of people have him slated in for the third center on that team. So while everybody's you know paying attention to Landeskog and McKinnon, he might get some favorable matchups to really let him excel. And I'm going to go with speaking of the 2019 draft class, Jack Hughes, the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft class. I think that he started to show. Some of his promise last year, he had 31 Mm -hmm. points in 56 games, uh, but he, it still feels like he's not quite there, right? Like he's, he's definitely not reached his potential yet. He's only 20 years old. Um, but it feels to me, and you know, I heard an interview with him on the 32 thoughts podcast now, as it's called, and he sounds so confident. It's almost like, holy, holy crap. Like this dude has grown up a lot, um, versus, you know, Andy, we talked to him, what, two years ago at that team USA development practice mm-hmm. and you're like well this is a kid <laughs> this is a little kid <laughs> yeah. and uh man he he just sounds like he's so ready to go he's ready to lead the new jersey devils um and i think the new jersey devils are going to be improved this year too so um I, I think that uh hughes is ready to go i think uh i think that's it i think he's he's gonna have a big year yeah he also put on some muscle if you watch him last year he didn't look like that little kid as much at least from size wise uh, uh so i think that's a good sign you know, that he can handle the NHL now more physically than maybe he did that first year when he was 18. Yeah. And we always knew with him, right? Because remember, it was him or Capo Caco, right? There's and everyone's so like, much oh, Caco so yeah. is much bigger. So, like, yeah, he'll probably yeah. be better. At, and But the thing about Hughes is, like, you always knew, like, just looking at him, you're like, all right, well, he has to grow up, like, to be able to yeah. really compete in the NHL. So there always was going to be a little bit of a curve for him. But it feels like mm-hmm. he's like he's ready for the next step. So Yeah, it sure does. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for participating in that lovely season preview. I think that that was just really brilliant stuff that we came up with there. Well, I mean, how many, how many different season previews are we going to do? Like, this is 
is at least creative, <laughs> right? <laughs> I liked. You know what? I enjoyed that. I think that we we did come up with some uh, some right, clever cool, stuff because I liked it. I and liked it. I, there's a few opportunities for sure for people to come back to us like several months down the road and be like, "Hey, remember when you idiots said this?" <laughs> <laughs> Go podcast. ahead. I don't care. Yeah, it'll be right. fun. That never happens. Just show me everybody else's predictions and then we'll we'll talk. I do want to mention before we move on to our awesome interview with Tim Lewicki that I made a boo-boo on this interview and I had the volume turned up on my microphone way too loud. So if I sound a little bit crackly, that's the reason and we're sorry. But on the plus side, Tim talks a lot. So I don't talk very <laughs> much on this interview. So it's mostly Tim. But um, nonetheless, there's some really, really great content here. Uh, we think you're going to love it. Here he is, Tim Lewicki. an absolute titan in the sports and entertainment business. He previously led Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment as well as AEG, and he is now the CEO of the Oakview Group, the organization overseeing the building of Climate Pledge Arena here in Seattle, and also UBS Arena on Long Island. Welcome to the show, Tim Lewicki, and thank you so, so much for joining us. We are thrilled to have you here. Uh, happy to be on, and I was wondering why the hell it took you guys so long to invite me on, but I don't against any of you. <laughs> well, we were joking before we started recording here. Your words, not ours, is that we, you know, we had Todd on, so uh, we kind of started at the top and then started working down, and eventually we got far enough down the list and found you, Tim. Yep, I, I, I get my rank, I get my file. Okay. I, there are no delusions on my part of where I am in the food chain there. It's fun. well, it's funny. We've been discussing for a long time, like, oh man, we got to get Tim on the show one of these days, and he's like, well, but we got to be really ready to go here because you know Tim's the big cheese. So we got to be ready. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In case your listeners haven't figured out, mm-hmm. this is now Darren kissing my ass because he <laughs> realized at the end of the day, after three years of doing a podcast, he's like, uh, we don't have a guest this week and we got a bit of a blip here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. You're digging your way out of the ditch. You're doing good. Man. I would love to get from you just a little bit of hype for our listeners here. Climate Pledge Arena opens up in, I guess it's really soon now. What is the one thing that you're most excited for fans to see that maybe they haven't seen already? Oh, no, you're not going to get one thing out of me. You'll get a bunch <laughs> So I was uh, lucky enough yesterday. I've had a life, almost a lifelong partnership and friendship with Shaquille O'Neal. So we've known each other for about 22 years. And I was on the board of directors of the Lakers. So I was the only non-bus family member on the board of directors. And obviously we won five rings during our run and championships, including with Shaq. And so uh, he got to tour the building yesterday. And I always like people like Shaq that have essentially played in just about every arena on the face of the earth Mm -hmm. and has been in many of the new arenas because of his broadcasting gig with TNT TBS. And so when he comes and gives me a perception and kind of a fresh take, I love that because I'm I'm in the woods and I admit I'm blinded by six years worth of work on this project. And I don't think I'm relevant as to, quite frankly, my opinion, because I'm too far into the woods. But when you have somebody like him that comes in and he's never seen it, doesn't know about it, and it's just a fresh set of eyes, I'm amazed at his perception. And the first thing he said was, my God, that bowl's tight. And so they were all shocked. And couldn't believe that we get 17,300 people in there for hockey, 18,500 for basketball. So when you think about it, that building at the end of the day is almost the same capacity as Staples Center. And yet the bull is... 10 times better than Staples Center for the fans. So I'd say that's something everyone's going to be hit with. And the second thing is he asked me 10 different times. So the roof floated and I said, (laughs) well, it didn't float. It wasn't like a spaceship, dude. So it was like we had steel that was holding it up, but the steel was temporary and the roof was temporary and it just hovered there for two years. And he said, well, where'd the old arena go? And I'm like, the old arena's gone, baby. It's history. It's it's dust. There's nothing left from the old arena besides the roof. And the three sides of the building are the original glass from the 1962 World's Fair. I think people will ultimately be amazed at how we floated a, a roof in the air, tore out an old arena, took the hole, dug it down three times as big as the old hole. So we went from 350,000 square feet 
to a million square feet, built a brand new arena, and then dropped that roof back on that arena. And it's when, when you're committed to trying to do everything in the eyes of sustainability, the greatest act of sustainability in the history of the arena business was our commitment to save that roof. Yeah. They're going to see that. They're going to notice that. Now, I think the third thing, and, and we haven't talked a lot about this yet. So the, the campus is going to change. So you're going to see next week when you come, uh, depending on when you air this, you're going to see that the campus is ingrained in Climate Pledge Arena and our Climate Pledge Arena is engaged with the campus. So when you walk around the upper concourse, you are one with the campus. So you, you could sit on one side of the building and look at the international fountain. So unlike the experience that people used to have at the old key arena, where you went down the steps and you were buried, here, you're ultimately going to be on that upper concourse and the 74-acre campus is all one. And so our plazas, the international fountain, but in particular, what you're going to see is the trees. So we have some special things we're going to show everybody in a couple of weeks. And what they're going to see is we're really trying to make the experience about the 74 acres, not about just the arena. So whether it be the trees, the fountain, what the roof's going to do at night, what the international fountain's going to do at night, their ability to talk to one another and kind of coordinate what we're up to. But the, the experience and kind of seeing the campus as a 74 acre campus and park in the middle of one of the largest cities in the world. And yet we could create this ambiance and experience where we are celebrating earth and trees and gardens and all of our landscaping. We're celebrating the fountain. We're celebrating 1962. And I think that whole ability to keep the roof and to keep the glass and to honor the fountain and to really celebrate what the had in mind when they created the 1962 World's Fair. I think the experience is going to be cool. The pregame parties are going to be awesome. I don't think people are going to be running out of this campus at night. I think they're going to stay for a while and celebrate because of what we're going to do to the campus. I think the monorail and the construction and the work that Lance and his team have done on that experience and making that part of the 74 acres. So I think people are going to notice changes before they even get to Climate Pledge Arena. There's a lot of things that I really love about the building, but it's walking in the shoes of our customers and trying to figure out how this is going to be unique for them. And then trying to figure out how we ultimately create the greatest experience in sports. It's not just about what you experienced in the old days. It's about what have we learned from every other building everywhere in the world we've been to or we built or we manage and how do we go steal all of those great ideas and incorporate them into what the Kraken fan are going to see and what the Kraken fan are going to experience and make this something that becomes a lifetime experience for them, for their families, for their kids, for their friends, and for the people they bring with them to games. I saw you in attendance at Spokane, and I personally thought the atmosphere there was pretty cool. You know, there was obviously not an NHL building, it's WHL building. There was some of the game ops stuff was happening, but I don't think we were seeing all of it. I'm curious what you can tell us about the atmosphere that night, what you sensed versus what you think it's going to be like uh, on opening night at Climate Pledge Arena. So one, I, I applaud my brother for covering up for my inability to get an arena finished in time for the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> Two, uh, I think the outreach was something he was going to do anyway, whether we were ready to go or not. I think it was a cool idea. The Kraken are not just a Seattle team. The Kraken are the Northwest team. So they're Alaska's team. They're Washington's team. They're Oregon's team. I personally think that this will be the most popular hockey team in Idaho and in Montana. And so the ability to take the roughly 15 million people that live in this region and ultimately get them as passionate about the Kraken as they are about the Seahawks and make this a regional culture and a, region, a regional cult I think that's really cool. And so I, what I noticed in Spokane is they're just as passionate and the Kraken are the Spokane Kraken. They're not the Seattle Kraken. And that's what you want. And so I think the game atmosphere was good, but I'm spoiled. I know what Johnny's got up his sleeve for opening night. I also know when people walk into Climate Pledge Arena, how they're going to be shocked at. We have the largest single installation of LED boards 
in the history of the arena business. So you have not seen anything yet. And I'll leave it at that. I'd love if you can give us just like more for more for the listeners, just kind of a broad overview of how this whole thing happened, right? What hurdles had to get cleared? Uh, how do we end up on that site? How did you get involved with it? All that good stuff. Yeah. So first of all, if I was good, it wouldn't have taken us six years. My daughter always reminds me of that. Good point. I don't know. I know this is a journey that, to be honest with you, I think really started 10 years ago mm-hmm. when we couldn't solve the arena problem and we lost the Sonics. And I think it began then. I really do believe this was a 10-year journey. And it wasn't always a great journey. To be honest with you, sometimes what makes a journey memorable are the worst parts of the journey and the fact you survived it. And so I, I think you've got to go back 10 years ago when we couldn't find a solution to the NBA issues and we lost our basketball team here. And I think that's when the clock started ticking on not just the problem, but more importantly, the solution. And so I was aware of it because I was obviously involved in AEG. And at the time, we had a management contract on the building. We stepped in and assumed at that point because there was no anchor tenant. There was no one to run the building. And then obviously I saw a lot of the the maneuvering that was going on behind the scenes as it related to being on both the NHL Executive Committee and Board of Governors, but being on the NBA Board of Governors as well during a period of this 10 years. So I saw the pain and I saw, quite frankly, the mismanagement on behalf of a bunch of people. I always tell people, don't, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter who did what. It doesn't matter. Don't be mad at anybody. What we should do is just focus on where we go from here, because I think what we've been able to demonstrate here in the last six years is let's get beyond what created the problem and stop trying to figure out who created that. And let's get focused on how we solve the problem and just focus on how we build a platform that will get both the NHL and the NBA back here. So obviously coming from the, you know, I've been a part of the NHL family forever. I won a Stanley Cup with the LA Kings, had the great fortune of managing Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment in the Maple Leafs for a period of time. So I helped get the avalanche from Quebec to Colorado. So I've had a fairly interesting career in the National Hockey League and feel strongly about my passion for hockey. Gary Bettman and I have been lifelong friends. And so we were uniquely suited to come in and talk about what I thought was the piece everyone was missing, which is hockey is going to happen quicker than anything else. And Mm -hmm. we're going to get a hockey team and there's a path. And I thought, you know, people said, well, we want a basketball team before a hockey team. I'm like, no, 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 no. You take what you could get and we could get a hockey team. And by the way, we're going to do phenomenal with a hockey team here. So I always, the day we stepped into this, everyone thought we were crazy because we bid what turned, it started at 650 million during the good old days and it grew to (laughs) 1.165 billion today. And so when we committed to 650, they thought we were absolutely nuts. In fact, the, the people we beat out on the bid to this day, say, oh, they're spending like drunken sailors and they're never going to make any money. <laughs> we, we probably did spend a little bit like drunken sailors, but we will make money because the support in this community has been overwhelming. But at the end of the day, spending $650 million not having a hockey team, not, not having an anchor tenant, and everyone thinking you're nuts and not having a bank that had committed to the money yet, that took guts. And that was really, I think, the best role that we played is we believed in Seattle. We believed in the Northwest and we believed we were going to get a hockey team. Then Bondo came in. He was the perfect partner. Jerry and Bondo were looking at another franchise. I kept on telling them, wait, there's a better opportunity coming. Bondo, thank God, waited. David jumped in here. He made this a perfect partnership. We can't do a hockey team at the end of the day. Gary Bettman claims I have more conflicts of interest than anybody involved in the National (laughs) Hockey League. We're partners with the New York Islanders on UBS Arena. And to be fair with them and Lou Lamorello, who's my single best professional friendship in my life, I couldn't choose the Kraken over the Islanders. So we focused on Climate Pledge Arena, Bondo, and, and then Todd focused on Kraken. We put it all together and said, we can make these two work together, even though we have one ownership structure for the arena and a different ownership structure for the team. And I think that might have been the best decision we ever made. The second best decision then was getting Todd to leave as the number two person at the NFL under Roger Goodell and coming here. You don't get the most experienced manager in the history of professional sports 
every day. And the fact we convinced him to come back to Seattle, a market that he knew quite well, had done quite well in, and take this on, that was a huge step forward for where we eventually would end with this story and with this franchise. How, how well do you have to know Bonderman to call him Bondo? Are we there yet at this podcast or do we have to wait? No, no, no. Here's the deal. You got to spend $1.165 billion to get to call him No Bondo. problem. Of his money. No yeah, problem. Yeah. Because he calls me something else that I can't even repeat on the show. And you're a podcast, so that tells you a lot. You know, I've been at this grassroots effort for you know 10 plus years at this time. And my case was always that there's people here that don't know their hockey fans yet. And that it's a growth opportunity for the, the NHL. I've been told so many times like Seattle's not a hockey market. Seattle can't support an NHL team. And maybe it's just over the years, it's getting beat down by a bunch of people. But heading into the ticket drive, I was still terrified that we wouldn't meet our mark. And I know you guys had some extra intel on that before the ticket drive, but the night before the ticket drive, and I've told this story before, you showed up at the Angry Beaver. And I asked you, I'm like, what's you know the internal office pool? How quickly are you going to be able to hit this 10,000 number? Because I was still losing sleep all week, by the way, because I was terrified that this was our one opportunity and if we don't show up, then our opportunity is lost, maybe forever. You kind of leaned over to me and you're like, two hours. It's going to take two hours. And that was like the most reassuring moment that I've ever had up until the next day when we actually blew that number out of the water. What was that day like for you, the ticket drive day? Because I remember seeing you kind of in the gift shop of the Space Needle right before we went up top and raised the flag. I could even see this like almost shock impression on your face then. Were you kind of blown away about the support? You know, the fact Jerry and I got to do a two-day blitz made me really happy because Jerry Bruckheimer has been a great friend and lived with me during the Kings era when we finally won a cup. I'd take him to lunch every summer and tell him this is the year you're going to win the cup. And Jerry's like, <laughs> yep, whatever. And then one year we won it and he said, you're either the luckiest son of a bitch I ever met or you're like master Thomas. I can't believe you figured that out. But Jerry has been a, like, I love talking to Jerry about hockey and we've been 20 years fast friends on hockey. So having the opportunity for two days to do a blitz with Jerry Bruckheimer and go do the media. And we knew we did. We look, when I told you two hours, that was because that was cautious Tim. I, I knew <laughs> you were going to kill it. I knew it. I knew Seattle, there was a buzz and a passion in this town that was awesome. And so when we did hit it in like 12 minutes, I first called Gary and he was in a board meeting and I said, step out. And he did. And I said, you won't believe this. Even now I get emotional. And so I, I'm like, we're at 12,000. And Gary, we're going to do 25,000 today. He's like, bullshit. I said, no, I'm telling you, we're, 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 at, we're at 12. He said, oh my God, don't tell anyone yet. I said, okay, I'll call you back. Keep me up today. Then I called my brother and he was in a meeting with Roger Goodell. And I'm like, you got to get out of it. And he's like, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. I said, no, come call me. And he comes out and says, are you all right? And I said, you won't believe this. The reason we're all here today is because of those people and the people that believed in this and put their money down and thought that we were going to get to the right place and believe we were going to handle their trust and create something special. And this team has created truly something special that I think it goes back to what my brother always talks about, which is 32,000 people. And they, they sent a message and we built upon that ever since. And so every success we've had along the way is because of the people that are behind us and the people that let everyone know how passionate this marketplace was towards this mission statement. It is to this day in my 40 year career, one of the proudest, one of the most emotional and really one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of. And I can't wait till opening night because I get a chance finally to go meet at least 17,000 of those people. <laughs> and I've never had a chance to meet them and thank them, but I will that night. Awesome. So we know that you guys are involved in this Palm Springs arena down there in Coachella. Where is that at right now? I know it got off a weird start, but is that progressing uh, as planned now? It, it is, although we're behind. And so right now, if we kept on the current schedule, we're probably looking at the end of next year before that arena is ready. And I got to get that back to a more realistic date in a perfect world. We'd get it open. The Palm Springs community kind of comes back around Thanksgiving. That's when the 450,000 people, and it's 450,000 people from the North, Canada <laughs> and, and Washington and Minnesota, they all move down there and, and move back into 
the Valley. We want to be ready around Thanksgiving next year. That's our goal. Ron would like us to be there quicker, but construction <laughs> is what construction is. And I can't pull building permits. They had to pull it. We're going to shoot for hopefully Thanksgiving. We got some work to do to get there. We're not there today, but our goal is to be ready sometime either at or right after Thanksgiving and be able to play games there. That's really the ideal time to play home games there, which means we're going to have to start on the road, similar to what we've done here. The Islanders are playing 13 games on the road before we get them to UBS Arena next month. So I think it'll work, but we got to get to Thanksgiving and we're not there yet. It'll be the best arena built in all of the American Hockey League. The training center will be be the best training center built in all the American Hockey League. And everybody should book your trip and come down there. One, the weather's phenomenal <laughs> at that time of year. And two, you're going to love being a part of that scene down there. And we're going to announce the name and the logo here in about three weeks. Oh, wow. There you go. Cool. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> all right. Tim Lewicki, we are out of time and you've been awesome for doing this. So thank you so much. And and not just thank you for coming on the podcast, but thank you for all you've done because yeah. I think I making my dream come true, which is the most insane <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. To starting with John, but to all of you guys, we're deeply grateful, Darren, Andy, John, for all you've done, your leadership, your belief in 10 years worth of work. I'm going to look for you on opening night. We're going to cry a little bit, slob <laughs> over each other. Guaranteed. And we'll the cracking on, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you again to the legend, Tim Lywicki. Uh, I kind of can't believe, like, we really only asked him, what, like, four questions total, <laughs> and yet we yeah. got him to a point of, like, being a little bit emotional about what's about yeah. to happen here for the Seattle Kraken, so that was pretty cool. And we got a little bit of breaking news there at the end, didn't That's we? That's right. That's right, yeah. A little bit of, a, like, the, the name of the AHL team is coming in the next couple of weeks. That's right. Good yeah, stuff I, there. And I'm telling you, guys, like, he is... Squidlings. He is probably the most influential person on us getting a franchise, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, as the franchise grows and things happen, we get players and, you know, Todd Lewicki's definitely a face of the, the franchise. He, don't forget him. Um, and we are so lucky to have him because he put this whole ownership group together. He put, you know, he obviously recruited his brother to take the position. And the guy literally made my dreams come true. And I will always be forever grateful and he's a great human he's always nice to me i mean i'm sure you know he's a hard worker and sometimes that can be you know that can be some tough love but he is he is an incredible person i'm really excited we got him and he was excited to be on the show which is pretty incredible and that that talks to his character absolutely and we very very much appreciate him coming on too that was uh mm-hmm. pretty awesome to be able to talk to him so uh yeah. hey let's move on to our segments and our first segment is serious business Ooh, now it, we have now we have a uh, voice for it <laughs> yeah interesting is this officially a segment yeah we talked about this it's officially no, a segment. We, you talked it about a it i don't think we talked about it's it it's a segment it's a segment yeah <laughs> all right suggested by a listener we should point out that's right uh, our first item on serious business, Alexander Barkov re-signs with the Florida Panthers. $10 million a year for eight years. And holy cats, that's a really big ticket for Alexander Barkov. I think he absolutely deserves it. But it, you know what it is? I think I hear Florida Panthers making a big signing, right? And obviously they just signed Bobrovsky to a big deal a couple years ago, mm-hmm. right? They got Quenville, you know, but still there's something about that where you just like, you hear that they're putting out a huge contract for a player <laughs> and you're like, what? The Panthers did that, right? It's just, it's it's almost shocking. The other thing that's a little bit shocking about this is I feel like Barkov, like his name has just been slightly rumored like never like really big rumors Mm -hmm. but it feels like his name has always been out there in trade rumors for so long because people just assumed that the panthers weren't going to be able to give him the contract that he deserved right that's exactly what i was just going to say that here you are the the assumption was they either wouldn't be here they would lose him as a ufa or they'd have to trade him yeah um he's a big piece for them so this is a big signing for their franchise and and the bummer is i didn't didn't necessarily want him out of florida but i thought it would be cool to see him experience uh, like another division or see him on the west coast and see him more frequently Mm -hmm. and and who knows right like so this was an extension so he was under contract for this current year this current season Mm -hmm. but you know i was like uh, you know i'm starting to look at this stuff and go well the Kraken could sign him in free agency, <laughs> right? Like that's how I'm, I'm becoming a very biased 
uh, hockey fan right now because I'm like, that could line up well. Yeah. You know, they add him. Who knows? I guess not. And the other extension, Mika Zibanejad goes back to the Rangers. $8.5 million per year for eight years as well. So that's also a big ticket. Uh, I mean, less surprising, right, to see the Rangers shell out. Uh, a big amount of money for a player, and Zibanejad's he's very good. So he's good. Uh, I, I have no problem. Uh, yeah, he's good with yeah. that deal. I think he's a bit under. He's a bit underrated on the national level. Like he doesn't yeah. get talked about. I think as much as others. Agreed. And then we had uh, some relatively big name players getting put on waivers. Kyle Turris from Edmonton. Obviously, he's played some big roles over the years for Nashville and. Um, so that's an interesting one. Travis Hamanick, uh, Adam Brooks, who uh, you know played a decent role for Toronto, and then our friend of the pod, Dylan Gambrell, San Jose Sharks put on waivers to be sent down to the AHL. So, so you know, kind of a bummer about Gambrell, and and just like all these moves, they're they're kind of process moves um, that are inevitable, and you know there haven't been a lot of people claimed on waivers, so I would expect all these players to stick with their team and. It's just a matter of time before they're called up, whether it be an injury or there's some trades that happen to kind of change the roster a little bit. So I'd expect all those guys to play some NHL games. Uh, Hamannick, I'm not so clear on, though, because that's a little that's a little odd. Um, yeah. he, he's an NHL player, and I don't know if he'll play anywhere else other than Vancouver because I think there was a situation that to keep him at least in Western Canada. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there. That wraps up our serious business. Oof, we, <laughs> we got to work on that. Is that the pro- appropriate voice? I'm not sure if it is. Yeah, I don't know. Serious that... business. Oh, boy. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go back to the other one. Uh, all right. Yeah. Serious business. Oh, thank you. Kay. Done. And we now move on to our weekly one-timers. Whoops. Our first weekly one-timer. <laughs> Ryan Reeves uh, was injured in a preseason game. It looked a little funky because P.K. Subban kind of took him down, and it sort of looked like it could mm-hmm. in like some world be a slew foot. It was kind of questionable. And, yeah. you know, it was a really painful-looking injury for Reeves. I don't honestly know what the extent of it was, but his leg kind of, like, tangled up underneath him, and he's a big fella, so there's a lot of weight coming down on it. It just looked it looked really painful and ugly. So, But then Chris Kreider looked, like, a little bit upset about it. He's kind of talking to Subban. And then I think they went to the dressing room, right? Did they come back from mm-hmm. intermission? And and Kreider went right after him and dropped his gloves, and Subban just kind of like skated away. He's like, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not going to do that." <laughs> that was interesting. Well, eventually they did fight. Yeah, as much as those guys fight, because mm-hmm. yeah. in the third period, like a period later, they ended up at least squaring up and wrestling each other to the ground. So uh, it was kind of it was kind of an interesting sequence. We'll have to keep an eye on that the next time the Rangers play the Devils. And, uh, you know, that's that's how it goes. Did you I have think to think were... for a second there about who were, uh, Sue Bam was playing this, this year? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the irony here is that they got Ryan Reeves to be tougher. Remember all the business last year with Tom Wilson? So they the Rangers are toughening him, toughing up. That's and right. The yeah. fighters got to come to Reeves' defense. So a little bit of irony there. I guess that is a little ironic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good point, Andy. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoosh. So I know we talked about Evander Kane in the past and all the kind of off-ice troubles he's been having. He filed for bankruptcy largely because of gambling debt. Uh, He also had this kind of an accusation of some just things with his wife, like domestic problems. And so the, the biggest thing that I think the NHL was like concerned about was that she accused him of like throwing games, betting on games, things like mm-hmm. that. So recently they cleared him of that. I think that happened a couple of weeks ago, but then also it's being investigated as to whether or not he used a fake COVID-19 vax card to start his training camp. Uh, and a very strange wrinkle in this is that if it's true that he actually used a fake card, then he actually could be looking at jail time for that because that mm-hmm. is a federal offense. So that's interesting. I, I hope that that's not true. But there was a lot of funny stuff going around the Internet uh, this week as that allegation was happening. Like I saw this one one meme of like just a picture of him with like a crayon that just said like vaccine on it. Like <laughs> a lot of funny stuff. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing after another with this guy. I just I don't understand. And John, I know that you you still pay relatively close attention to the Sharks, or at least I assume you do. Have you heard anything about this? Like, it's just 
it's just weird. Like all this stuff has to be just weird, right? Yeah. I mean, he, and the tricky thing here is he was the highest scorer on the team last year, right? Yeah. So as easy as like it might be to be like, oh, you know, when are the Sharks going to cut ties? Because you, you think like one of these things is enough to like void the contract. They still need goal scoring. And, you know, it's not like San Jose is a, a great deep team right now. And so there's probably an extent where they kind of need him. But, you know, I don't know how this is going to play out. It's pretty embarrassing if you ask me if it's true uh more than anything mm-hmm. i mean what anyway i kind of well, don't want to get into it because it just seems so insane that somebody would do that there's also the story <laughs> that true. came out that none of his teammates like him or a good tr- portion of his teammates don't like him too so things are kind of messy down there yeah with him. it's not a good situation there i think uh he might be one of those well and i mean think about years back right remember the whole thing in winnipeg when uh, there's some story about like Dustin Bufflin took his tracksuit and like threw it in the shower because they were just so sick of it, oh, right? Yeah. So that's like years ago with a different organization. So it's not the first. It's certainly not the first time. It's not. You know, well, it's not even like the fifth time. Like there's been so many issues here that seem to revolve around Evander Kane. So interesting. Our next weekly one timer. We alluded to this earlier when we were talking about the Montreal Canadiens potentially taking a step back. Uh, Carey Price has voluntarily entered the player assistance program, uh, which could either be for substance abuse or it could be mental health. We're not exactly sure what it is, and we're not going to speculate. Uh, but this is uh, this is a very fascinating wrinkle here. Uh, for a guy that almost was a Seattle Kraken, carried his team to the Stanley Cup final last year, and you know now it's apparent that he he needs some off ice help. Yep, and hopefully he gets it. Good for him to do it. Yeah, and you know he's a great person, and, mm-hmm. and obviously whoever enters the program, we're rooting for it. But he's somebody that he's done some really cool community stuff out there. Google it sometime. He's a great person. So I'm really rooting for him uh, to just get whatever help he needs and, and hopefully make a comeback, which I expect. But if it's not right for him, it's not right. That wraps up our weekly one-timers. Whoops. We close the show with our tweets of the week. Uh, should I just assume you guys don't have tweets of the week? No, no, I got, got one. one. Wow, you both said that at the same time. Uh, it might be the same one, but that's okay. It's two tweets we each tweeted ourselves. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, your tweet <laughs> of the week. Mine's a two-parter. It comes from Elliot Friedman. He tweets, New Jersey signs Jim VC one year, 800K. Mm-hmm. And then it gets retweeted by Jimmy VC says, damn, my father better get back into shape. (laughs) Indicating that his dad goes by Jim VC and he goes by Jimmy does not. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That's a good one. Okay, Andy. Wow. It's nice to have you back on Tweets of the Week, John. Andy, your Tweet of the Week. So my Tweet of the Week is a little bit of a a backstory to three of us actually witnessed this tweet be created and sent out. In fact, we all gave it our thumbs up as being okay. Yeah. Okay. Not not great. Okay. That was okay. I I know where you're going with this. Carry on. And it comes from Ryan Clark of The Athletic, who covers the Kraken. Friend friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod. Friend of us. Friend of the pod. around the media scrum and hanging out all day with us. So good dude. We spoke to to Brandon Tanev today after practice. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got the long hair. And I tweeted out, if the Kraken ever play Brandon Tanef with Jordan Eberly, they should be called Ebbs and Flow, which, you know, humorous. I, lo- actually, I like it. I, the, I think what's funny about it is that he, he kind of like showed it to all of us first. Yes, what do you guys think? Make sure. What do you guys think? <laughs> is this chuckle worthy? And we're all like, yeah, I chuckle. It's yeah. pretty It's pretty good. So I like but it. But what I just noticed, what uh-huh. I just noticed, there's an update now. The very first response is from Seattle Crack Control, who I think we all know. Yeah. And who I met for the first time at practice yeah. a couple weeks ago. He responded and said, I think that's the name of a Pearl Jam song. I kind of like that. I think he's making fun of Even Flow. Uh-huh. That's right. But that I Pearl. know you've met him before. Last have week. I? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. But I, not, I may not have known he was the crack control. That might be the case, but you definitely met him before. I'm also very bad with names. <laughs> His That's name okay. is Troll. How hard is that to remember? Yeah, I know. Like, how many how many trolls no, do you know? I to him with his real name. What do you mean real name? What do you What is his real name you speak of? <laughs> you think he walks around like he signs his checks, Seattle the hockey troll? Yeah. <laughs> That's his name. Who signs? Nobody writes checks anymore. Signs is Yeah, point. that's a that's good a fair point. point. That's a fair point. Uh, okay, my tweet of the week comes from Sinbin.Vegas. So obviously the oh. Kraken are playing against 
the Vegas Golden Knights here in just a couple days. Sinbin wrote a story about the all Vegas Golden Knights killer teams, like all the players that have like really had a negative impact on the Vegas Golden Knights mm, over the years. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting is that he picked two players that are current Seattle Kraken to be on the Vegas Golden Knights uh, killer team. Do you guys have any guess at who they might be? Or did you read this already? Uh, to know the I answer? don't read the article, okay. but I'm going to take a guess that Donskoy is one of them. Uh, he was he was honorable mention because I oh. because we retweeted it from Sound of Hockey and he Vegas Sinbin replied and said uh, that he would be honorable mention. So no, I okay. will give you a hint though. It's two defensemen and maybe not the ones that you'd think about. Then I'm going to say Vince Dunn is one of them. No, but that oh. I mean that, that so like Vince Dunn is an offensive defenseman, so I, that's why I wouldn't yeah. necessarily think of him. No, the picks are Jamie Oleksiak on the second pair. It says, for Alexiak, it's mostly about his defense and how dominant he was in the 2020 series in which the Golden Knights could not get to the front of the net. But he also scored Uh a breakaway goal. Yes, 6'7", 255-pound Jamie Alexiak, nicknamed Big Rig, skated all the way from the red line to the goal by himself and scored on Robin Leonard. And then uh, on the third pair, he has Jeremy Lausanne. He says, Lausanne has only played Vegas twice, but he scored in both games, one of which was his first career NHL goal. If you go by goals per 60 Lausanne's 4.78 <laughs> is more than two goals better than any other defenseman against the Golden Knights <laughs> that's awesome yeah right. so there you go that that was uh fun and worth sharing I remember the Alexiak goal in the playoffs I mm-hmm. that was bubble right it was yeah it was interesting thing is like will Lausanne be in the lineup on opening night against the Vegas Golden Knights should yeah, be interesting Paxall's looking at the matchups he's got that's play. right his his goals per 60 looks pretty <laughs> how do you good that guy out how do you yeah. scratch that guy all right that wraps up episode 158 thank you again to Tim Lywicki for joining us on the show that was awesome thank you again to Fat Kraken 66 for the five-star review and constructive criticism <laughs> Uh, please do leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the next episode. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Where else? Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you all very soon for episode 159. Cheers. No more calories.